business. We are in business. What's up, man? Not much. What about yourself? Well, this is the start to episode 19 of An Untold Narrative. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell everybody who decides to view in who we have here? Uh, this is Brett Golliff, uh, designer, uh, design manager for Global Chevrolet uh, in color and trim at General Motors. And then uh, I suppose I'm also uh, in the footwear world a little bit every once in a while. And then uh, a father as well and a husband. But yeah, Brett Golliff. What an introduction for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well thanks for joining us i know it's like late on sunday and and uh, you have a crazy schedule just trying to trying to get get you to sign up for for an hour of time was a was a little back and forth so you're a very busy man i tend to yeah this time works best for me i'm not gonna lie i just had like a 15 minute power nap as i was putting my daughter down so it was uh, i usually <laughs> I can like guarantee that this amount of time, like at 930, kids are in bed and there's a, a general better chance no interruption will happen. It's so. amazing. Okay, good to know. Um, where are you currently? I am in, I'm outside of Detroit right now. So I, I live pretty far up north outside of Detroit by about an hour. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. Where, where are you originally from? Indiana, small town in Indiana called Angola. It's, uh, it's like... Where Ohio, Michigan, and Indiana all touch, basically. So, yeah. Very oh, so small, small little community, like 7,000 people or so. Nice. Yeah. And um, so you, you just talked about a lot of different uh, aspects of who you are today. Um, what I always like to do is kind of backtrack a little bit a few years to kind of what, primarily like what your education was, kind of uh, how you gained some of the skill sets. When did you know that you wanted to be a designer? Um, you know, did, was, it er, was it early on? Was it in middle school, high school, elementary school? Uh, are your parents artists? <laughs> so I find it very interesting because like, I think that's a good question. It's something I think about often, to be honest with you, because I am learning that I had a very, uh, I was very exposed to art and not realizing being from a small community that doesn't have really anybody in the creative field outside of kind of craft type stuff or teachers, right? Uh, when I say craft stuff, you know, kind of, we're from a lake community, so people painting of the lakes and nature around it, right? Okay. Um, but uh so starting at around age of four, my mom put me in private art lessons and uh, I had always drawn and did a lot of painting and stuff like that. And she had a couple of friends that did that type of stuff. So uh, I would go and do that on Saturday mornings, at least once a month, sometimes twice. And that was a variety of things. The, the, the first lady I was with, Paula Glasper, that was like, working on anything from drawing of trees all the way up to painting like you know still lifes and trying out every medium and i was with her until i was like 10 or 11 and then it flipped to another uh another wonderful teacher lady kathy roddy and that was all um like oil painting and that i did until i was probably 15 ish and uh then at the same time during school, uh, I had Jeanette Maridu, who was a family friend as well. Um, she kind of introduced me to everything, right? And I was always like put in the gifted and talented classes of drawing and painting and stuff like that. And like in high school, for being from a small community, we had like 20 different high school art classes that you could take from like drawing one to drawing two, painting one, painting two, ceramics, sculpture, photography. I took all that stuff and then just started doing independent stuff. So there's like that side of my life that's like happening. The other side is like, you know, we're similar ages, that Michael Jordan era, right? Yeah. Like growing up, I sucked at basketball. Like as much as I tried, like I just wasn't that great at it. Uh, but uh, same time, like I'm like, at that time until they screwed up i'm like the age of the jordan that's coming out right so jordan 13 comes out and that was like i guess around the 11 was the time that they started showing sketches a little more than they Process, did in the yeah. past right yeah 
And uh, so the 13, like they did a lot of like storytelling around the Panther and that type of sketch. And I was like, this is what I'm doing. And then 14 comes and they show the Marinello, the Ferrari 550 being the inspiration. And I just started, I was in eighth grade at that point. I just started drawing like, oh, here's a Corvette version. Here's an M3 version of a shoe. Here's a Viper version. Here's like all this type of stuff. Seriously? That young? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the age of four, you're taking painting classes. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, so I, I started doing, yeah, I was doing a ton of them. And like, I would do it for my friends that were in like, in on the basketball team and stuff like that. Like, so my friend Brian, like, oh, here's his signature shoe. And then like uh, my friend Tyler, I did one as well. And, and I think the other side of it was like, I also got my first job like that year. And like, uh, I didn't do anything, but like I was supposed to be busting tables, but the owner of the restaurant like really liked me. And I would just sit there and just draw. So I just drew more shoes. So like, I would just do like my own fantasy roster of like who was going to be on my teams. I was like, oh, Alan Iverson. At that point, like the Iversons had already, in my opinion, started going downhill. I was like, oh, what would it look like if he was on the Jordan brand? So I would do like my own Iverson and stuff like that. It was, that's all I would do. This is all in high school still. I was like a freshman. Yeah. Also, yeah. you you have a tremendous memory to just start name dropping people from back in the day, 20 plus years ago. That's <laughs> your name drawing Tyler, this woman, Lou Ann, whoever you said earlier. Yeah. First and last names, you have a tremendous memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I, I do. Kind of I don't like, like, I think people think that I'm purposely like aloof and like meanings, but I intentionally don't take notes. Like, I don't do any of that. Stuff You're just like able that. to like retain the info. Yeah, 100%. Wow. If it's meant to be remembered, I will remember it. I'll That's that. wild. Yeah. Good, for, good for you. Um, so, so you really had your intro to footwear specifically through the, the Jordan brand. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, it was um, definitely the definitely Nike signature athletes or that era. Cause like even the Adidas stuff was incredible then too. Like I love the T-Mac and obviously the Kobe stuff that was happening. Um, but yeah, absolutely. That era was very much like those athletes are the brand in themselves. Right. Like, and, and that was, and I think we were that, that generation of watching marketing unfold to you and like a product and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. And I think the other side, like I don't talk about it nearly as much because most of the people I do this type of conversation is footwear stuff, but I had a deep love for automotive at the same time. And like, so like my, my parents were divorced and then I had grandparents and stuff. So like at that time, like if you recall like magazine subscriptions, you could get free six months, like six months for free at like certain times. So I would just like rotate the houses and just do free six months of like, things. <laughs> and, uh, so like I would, just like, got stacks at everybody's houses. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So like car and driver and motor trend and like all that type of stuff. So I would send them there. And like my favorite issues was always about, Man, I just got AirPods for the first time and they're falling out. So I apologize if I'm touching a lot. No, but, um, do you have the normal ones? Uh, I've got the Pro. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I have the normal ones and, and I love them. I don't have an issue with them, but I know the Pro ones are a little bit different. It's weird. Uh, this is my first time wearing them. Uh, we had to get something for my, my son and they came for free with them. So I was like, all right, let's give it a shot then. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna ask what you got your son to get free AirPods with the with the gift. <laughs> yeah, like he doesn't even know they're not gonna be his. He's too young for it. So like, uh, well, maybe one day he'll watch back on this and then he'll be like, "God damn it, I got cheaped out of some AirPods." Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, he's he's virtually learning now, and uh, we had a Chromebook for him, and I we've only used Apple products for like 20 years, and the Chromebook kind of crapped out. I didn't know what to do. So I just returned it and just got a MacBook Air. So it, it came with that. It was like, I, I have to I have to do this. He's on Zoom calls all the time. So I have to have something. Um, but That's yeah, so like my favorite issues of those magazines were, it was always about this time of year, they were having like designers uh, freelance and do, oh, this is what the next uh, Ferrari is going to look like or the Corvette or whatever. It would be their future issues, right? And back then it was before people were doing any sort of like CAD or rendering. So it was like real drawings, you know, it was marker renderings or Canson renderings or something. And I would just obsess over that stuff just as much. So, That's wild. Yeah. So you, yeah, you really got, got into it early. That's did, did you, are you, your parents, grandparents, nobody really is artistic or they're just like, uh, I think like that way. 
I don't think any of them would tell you that they're artistic if you were to have a conversation with them. And maybe that's just low self-esteem about the stuff. But I think realistically, like my dad would do some beautiful drawings for me. If I asked him to draw me something, yeah, he would do it. Yeah. Um, my mom is very, very good at like putting like colors and textures and materials together. Like her house is awesome when you yeah. walk in through that. Um, and my, my grandma, my grandma could be a little arrogant. She can draw, but she, so she might be like, yes, I'm really good at this. And, uh, my grandfather, so both my mom's parents are who I'm referencing there. My grandfather was phenomenal at like woodworking and, and actually taught, like, that's what he taught in high school. So you definitely had a, uh, you know, a little bit coming, coming through the, through the family tree there. Um, yeah. Well, I think they embraced it more than anything. Right. That was probably the real thing. They were like, okay, well. We don't know what you're doing, but have at it, right? Sure, like, let's, let's just sign them up for some stuff. Let's have them try some things and figure yeah. it out. And then, so where did you, what did you, did you know you wanted to do design in college? Like after high school, did you like, um, not many people know like industrial design, product design, transportation design, especially, yeah. you know, in the, in the 2000s or, you know, or late 1990s or whatever it is, or I'd, well, a couple of things would happen in that instance. Uh, so where I was lucky, being from that small community, there isn't a lot of people that, quite frankly, leave, right? Right. Um, I, I mentioned her already, Jeanette Meredith, who's still a driving force in my life today. Like I talked to her. I think I was lucky in the sense that her and her family and her husband, her husband um, worked for a company that they, they traveled a lot. They lived in Italy for a few years and stuff like that. So she kind of always gave me this like, hey, there's more out there right? Um, she actually, you know, took my work and sent it to CCS on her own. Like knowing that like, hey, this is a being in a teacher, she was getting colleges that were coming in. And there was an image on there of uh, I'm sure you know him, but like Jason Maynon, it was like one of his sketches. And I was like, that's it. Like, that's what I want to do. And uh, so she connected the dots and put that together and, and got us going. Another thing that I was happening at that same time was obviously the internet uh nike talk being a website jason petrie was posting all of his stuff under alpha project and i just reached out to jason and uh, so he would have been at that time a senior and i believe he was in north carolina uh he was getting ready to go to fila and uh or he no he had just started at fila when i reached out to him my junior year he had just started at fila and that was when they were doing like the ferrari product and stuff like that i was like hey here's where I'm at. This is what I want to do. I've got a, I've got a scholarship opportunity at CCS. Is that the right thing to do to get into footwear? And he's like, yeah, that's what you should do. So I was just like, it was between that or art center and that was California. And I like all this stuff was just kind of blind. And I was like, yeah, all right, well, yeah. this is what we're doing. If this is what I want to design shoes. So I go what, to CCS. What year did you reach out to him and how did you, was it email? Yeah, it was all email. My email was pharamonch03 at, at hotmail.com. It was, uh, it was like back when like backpack rap was like the greatest thing ever. And I was into like the lyricist lounge and all that type of stuff. And uh, so I just reached out to him via that. I basically just sent him an email. I was like, hey, my name's Brent. I'm looking to get into footwear design. What, I'm thinking about going to CCS, what would you recommend? And we just had like our own chain going back and forth from that. That's awesome. Well, it's yeah. nice that he, he was willing to kind of help you out. I think like all of that community is still the same. Like, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but while I'm at CCS, like, so I get connected very deeply with Dwayne Lawrence, who does like, he did all the Wade stuff. He's at Anta now, he was at Adidas for a little bit. Uh, he did the Wade stuff while he was at Converse. And uh, he connects me then to Jason Maiden. Jason's like a lifelong friend. I actually talked to him for like an hour today on my uh, on a drive today. And uh, it becomes this small world. And I think as long as what I tend to notice with people in general, if you're comfortable within your own skin, you're comfortable sharing your journey and your information, right? Yep. And you want to help people. You want people to learn from what you've done. And I, I think... Yeah, it's it's been a beautiful ride. I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am without those people, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so do you you what was uh what was your undergrad in? You did it in four so it years. Was, it was product, but then I also I was in product, but like CCS at that time, I'll never forget it. First day of like industrial design program, there's like was there was like 120 kids, and like we're all in this. Uh, 
auditorium or whatever. And uh, they're like, all right, all right. And this is back when CCS still used to cut people. So like you would be starting with 120, but when you're graduating, you're probably graduating with like 45, 50. Yeah, it was the same at Wentworth when I went. All right. Yeah, they don't do that anymore at CCS. Or from what I understand, they don't. Um, they still do it at other schools. So <laughs> probably be doing it, to be honest. Uh, and that's not to be mean, but that's just to drive some like real focus back into some stuff. I, I agree. I, I think it, it helps like kick another gear into students, right? So they yes. can like, it's like, it's like, it's like competition, but it's like, there's 40 or 50 grand on the line. <laughs> right. So yeah. And I think that's a key point. Like the way I looked at design school was like my, they, my mom and grandparents like explained to me, like, this is how much this is, which didn't really ring the bell to me that much. But like, this was how much your sister school costs. So like your first year is more expensive than your sister's four years. So like, and, and immediately clicked me, I was like, I need to make sure that I try to be the best because I yeah, have I, I had that same audience, same right? mentality. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so like we're sending this auditorium and they're like, how many people are here for product design? And I would just, I raised my hand. I was legit out of the 120 there, the only one that raised their hand. I was like, and the other 119 were there for automotive design. And it was like, and which I think makes sense being Detroit now that I look back on it because like at that time. Yeah, like, but still. Yeah, it was nuts. Every year out of automotive design that graduates out of there, it's like 20 people. So oh, they basically like said that. They're like, okay, you <laughs> need to be rethinking this. And, uh, yeah. if, I was, if I was one of those 119 kids, I would have been like, you know what? Odds are pretty good over a product. I might as well jump ship. <laughs> yeah, they came over. Yeah, eventually made their way over. Um, but it, I mean, it was like that. And the other side was I didn't realize like what automotive was like. What I loved about the automotive side, especially at that time was, uh, and it's still that way, but like that era of like freshman year was, that was where you had like these, you were taught to like render emotion more than you were a design, I felt. And then when I looked at like the footwear side, the people that I loved that like busted out in the footwear area, that's what they were able to do. So I kind of just combined those two areas. Hmm. Um, what year did you graduate? Graduated from high school in 03, graduated from CCS in 07. Okay. And then what was your, uh, you got the undergrad in the product or in transportation? Yep. Yeah. So product okay. design. And then I, I mean, we didn't dual major or anything, but I did a lot of automotive stuff. Just because you're surrounded by it. Surrounded by it. And like all of my best friends and still best friends to this day were in that class. So I would just go and hang out with them <laughs> and you know, we would all be doing the same stuff. I would just switch mine to a shoe. They would be doing a car. I would do a shoe. Yeah. What was, uh, what was your first job at a, at a college? I went to uh, New Balance and I was in the advanced product group. So Boston, uh, Lawrence, obviously. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. It was a great awakening, uh, but it was, it was wonderful. Why, why do you say it was an awakening? And, and how did you find the, that job back then? So luckily CCS has like, I think, a lot of people that don't experience a, a CCS or an art center, things are different now because of online, but a lot of people back then that didn't experience something like that, they're always curious. It's like, oh, what was it like? And I think the thing of what it's like is like, no matter what, uh, to be successful in school, it doesn't matter where you go, you have to be self-motivated, right? Um, but like what CCS for surely provided then was a deep network. And uh, so every year you had a, a, a class show um, freshman and sophomore year, if your show was good enough, it would be brought into the area where they bring the company in, right? Gotcha. And uh, so it was like always like school would end, and then like the week after that, like all the companies are coming through. So that's how it was. Uh, oh man, yeah, it was it was Drew Spieth that was walking through for New Balance at the time, and him and I just talked, and we talked forever. Uh, Nike was Nike and Adidas were both there. They're on a hiring freeze at that point, had great conversations with their recruiters. And then, but the New Balance one, like, it was beautiful because him and I just like clicked so well. Yeah. And we had like such a different thought and um, not a different thought, but like a thought that aligned and where we saw product going. So I go out to there and uh, my uh, well girlfriend at the time but now wife we moved out to there yeah like fall of 07 so like august of 07 yeah. you guys you guys met in uh michigan or 
And we met, so I've known her since seventh grade, actually. So <laughs> we, yeah, we've been together since we were juniors in high school. So we were actually just joking. Wow. Our uh, next weekend will be like 18 years together. And Congratulations. Thank you so much. That is, a, that is a lifetime in itself. It is. Yeah, we've been <laughs> together longer than we've been apart. So yeah. um, So she just, she picked up and moved with you. Yeah, blind faith, I suppose. I don't know what the hell she was thinking, but yeah. So you have yourself a keeper then? <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm a decent talker, I suppose. I don't know, but it worked out. <laughs> so how, how long were you at New Balance? So I was at New Balance until uh, the end of 2010. So it was about four years when it was all said and done. Okay. And wh why, the, why the jump? I mean, you survived the recession. You, you know, yeah, like oh, the that's job. a good question. I think... Um, all right, so look, I'll, I'll, I'll be very transparent. Um, New Balance was interesting. Uh, I, so a challenge that I have in my life is that I have a vision of how things could be and should be at times. And sometimes it doesn't meet that vision. Uh, at that time, I was probably a little bit younger and more immature than I needed to be. But like, I had this vision that, and I had the same vision when I went to CCS. So I probably should have learned my lesson even then. Like what amazed me about going to CCS was like, I gave you my background on like art. It, I'm sorry for the language, but it just fucking blew my mind how many people went to CCS off of like one high school art class. I was like, what do you, like, how, how, how did you do, dedicate and have like this thought process when you have like one thing? Um, and not even, I'm sorry to say this because it does sound arrogant, but not even be remotely at the level that I was at. Like that, that kind of blew my mind. So then going into New Balance, I just assumed everybody was a shoehead. Like I assumed everybody knew. And the was dialed and. Yes. The entire lineage of everything knew why this and, was. And you learn quickly that people have jobs without an actual skill set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not I, shade on New Balance. I'm talking industry-wide. <laughs> yo, that's everywhere. Yeah, that's I mean, that's everywhere. everywhere. You, I learned quickly that not everybody needs to be overtly passionate and in love about the job. They're content having a job. And that's they, everywhere. They clock in, they clock out. That's yeah. it. There's no, there's no like true, literally passion is like the only word to describe it. It's like yeah. where, where you actually give a shit. Yes. <laughs> and that's not to say that that doesn't exist there because it does. There was plenty of us that had that. The fuck did that hurt my heart? Like that was like, like that was, and, and I think like I had a real hard time with that. And then as I got into it, understanding like, okay, this is a job and that's, that's fine for some people. I, I can still work through that. And I did. And then, you know, I, I still talked to a lot of people there, but I knew as I was growing and growing, I was like, all right, I, this was a company of at that time in mass was probably 2,800 people just guessing. And then like globally, including factories and everything, the footprint was probably like 6,700, maybe 10,000. It's probably like three or four X that today, I bet. All right. Yeah. That sounds I, like I, not, I don't know specific, but I'm just saying even like global revenue wise, I mean, they're way, way bigger than yeah. years ago. Yeah. And I mean, the growth has been extraordinary, but I, I just kind of knew that when I was looking at it, I was like, I internally, I knew I needed something more and it wasn't something that was against them. It, it, and, and I loved my position. I had, I, one of the people that I still, I don't talk to him enough, but, but I value him tremendously was Ken Thorme. And he's one of their kind of, I guess, PLMs would be the key word, but like the heads of it. And, um, he was extraordinary, just really helped me get that vision and that understanding of like why you're creating what you're doing. He has a deep history within the industry outside of New Balance as well. And I just absolutely loved every part of that. And uh, I'll still talk to him today just to like reground myself every once in a while. But like, I, at the same time that I'm at New Balance, I started blogging. They were cool with me blogging and talking about stuff. So like we would go to like Jones and Irving or something and I would like do the step-by-step -step of like a last, right? And I'd write about it. And this was like infancy of like blogging, right? And I kind of grew this like mass following and I didn't know it. I didn't realize it. What website? Like, like on Tumblr? It was on a site called Counterkicks, which was like a, uh, they were, if there was like sneaker news and hype news, this was like a site that was doing solely about like the footwear industry news. And yeah, it was weird, but it kind of blew up and it grew. I mean, it's quite frankly, it's how I met, you know, you and I basically met through Daniel. Yeah, like yeah. That's how I met Daniel and like all this other stuff was like growing through that. 
and um, it was uh, it was an interesting thing. Like it just really blew up for me, just to to say the least. And that during your New Balance era, yeah, yep. And that like from probably if I can look at it, and like they would be in deep, like in depth narratives. Like everything would be at a minimum like five thousand, ten thousand word like posts. And uh, and you're just uh, writing for the love of writing. Yeah. That was what I loved about automotive and like, like what I grew up with was, uh, and I never understood why footwear didn't have that. Like it always kind of footwear and even to this day, footwear is treated very immaturely in that space. So I tried to provide like this background of it and really. It's very, it's very sheltered. It like doesn't want to be transparent. It doesn't want to show even. You know, you, I mean, you talked about it very early on, like the process of like sketches and stuff. It's super rare for like, today it's a little bit different with the internet, but like over the history of the past 20 years, like so many brands are so reserved because they're going to give away secrets or something like that. Honestly, one sketch isn't going to make or break it. Everybody's worried about their own shit. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because like you know, moving past New Balance and I kept blogging going when, and I'm jumping a little bit, but going into like the complex side of it and blogging for them for so long, which was super amazing and, and grateful for it. But I learned from their customer and this is the customer in my opinion, is that, you know, there's always that age old saying that like 80% of like athletic shoes and it's probably more like 95% don't actually get used for athletics. Right. It's probably and like, I quickly realized that like that story and that love and that design element again is limited to a small group of us. Um, and you know, you watch a lot of footwear companies don't necessarily want to market to that because at the end of the day, it's so small, you know, it's like, probably do your math on it there's probably about 300,000 people that are actually a part of this like hype community and this type of stuff which isn't very big right yeah. I mean yeah so it's it's hard to kind of go down that so uh, um and I know I one I didn't even know you wrote for complex so that's interesting yeah, yeah. bit tidbit to learn I, I I always try to do like a little bit of background and I, I've known you for a few years now so I know a little bit about your your, your background history but you use the word vision a lot uh in the yeah. past five minutes when you were leaving or contemplating leaving new balance like when you talk about your vision wasn't aligning what was that like what did you have um, in mind back then i you know a lot of my life kind of just rolls off of me internally and like what my gut feels and like saying if this is right or not and like i would i tend to always be at something before people seem to think that i'm ready for it like simply put and like, I would be trying to take on more and more responsibility at New Balance, but they're like, yeah, but we still see you at best as like a designer too. And I'm like, well, okay, that's cool. But you're like, I'm doing this, this, and this, and I'm outperforming this person, this person, and this person, or I'm doing, and, and I want this. And like what I felt there, and I'm sorry, but it's a relatively conservative company. Uh, it's small. Most companies are like that. It was like the more I was taking on, it was more like, why is he, why is he wanting to take this on? Like, why? <laughs> it was like, well, why wouldn't I? And like, I can remember the manager that I had at the time, like him and I would butt heads, predominantly because I was willing to draw shoes outside of work, where it was like, you know, he, he just didn't grasp that that's what I want to do. He wanted to go surf, cool, go surf, have fun. I don't care, rip your waves, dude, but like, I'm gonna go draw some shoes. Like, that's what I love and that's what I wanna do. And that, I, I just felt, I felt at that time, there wasn't a lot of that there. That's probably changed now. I'm not speaking ill of them by any means, but in my time there, I didn't feel like I was getting what I wanted. And I knew, and, and I can confidently say this, it was me, not them. So yeah. it was like, all right, let's try something new. So that blogging thing got my name out there further. And I interviewed like in from basically like June of 10 until October. Well, it was like November 5th, 6th, 7th of 10. I was interviewing at Nike, Adidas. And, uh, and then in the middle of those two, GM contacted me. Uh, one of the advanced... Uh, and there was never a moment in my life where I was like, yeah, I want to go into automotive. Like that was never like a thought of mine. I didn't have an ill will towards it, but there wasn't a moment. One of my best friends was about to take a job there. And then one of the advanced uh, directors at the time 
uh, which oddly enough, he's now moved his career and he's in footwear. But at the time he was at GM and he had been following the blog. So they had just went through, you mentioned the financial crisis during, they had a crazy part of the financial crisis, obviously. Yep. They were looking for other people that had different backgrounds and he encouraged me to apply. And I was like, all right, cool. So I applied, I, I'll be dead honest. I was like, worst comes worst. I fly back for an interview and I get to hang out with a few of my friends I went to college with and we go back to the day, right? Sounds so, like a good deal. Yeah, I was like, it's cool. So did that and um, my, my wife and I are out in, uh, in Portland about two weeks after that. I have an offer from Adi and I have an offer from Nike. And we were literally in the, we were in the Ace Hotel, which at that time was where like Adi put everybody up. And I'm about to take this like Adidas offer. And I was like, well, we should call GM. Like, let's just be kind, you know, and, and do this. And they're like, oh, no, 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 wait, we want to give you an offer. So like weirdest moment in my life, like most like crazy moment, like I had these three opportunities in front of me, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, we like just made a list. Like it was like, here. are you like legitimately sitting in the Ace Hotel just like reviewing? Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is <laughs> happening? Like, it was one of those things where you like, for me, it was a culmination of like fighting and fighting and fighting to get to that opportunity. Right. And uh, so I just kind of went down the list and um, the, I, don't, I, I preface this a lot because I truly try to make a belief that I wasn't trying to be arrogant with this statement. But my thought process was like, I believe if I hustle hard enough and I work hard enough, I can do footwear again. But I don't know that I'll ever be able to do the car thing again. And That's I- really interesting. Yeah, I was like, it's a new challenge. Worst comes to worst, we do it for like a year and we figure things out. I did it, uh, I'm still there, obviously. It'll be a decade in January. Has it been that long? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, well, yeah. Believe me, I say that same thing a lot. I was like, <laughs> years already. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to overshadow because I think this is going to bring a lot of value to people. What goes through your mind, and what was the dis like? Was it really the fact that it was a new opportunity, something completely different between the three of them? I mean, you have the two two biggest footwear brands in the world, and then yep. you have GM, right? That you don't right. have a background in automotive. You you love cars or whatever. You you know, it's a passion of yours, but. Clearly, you're really good at footwear. You love the footwear industry. And yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, if there was any sort of, like, uh, thought process you can, like, share with people, like, what was that? Uh, well, a lot of my thought processes at times is, like, if it scares you and makes you feel uncomfortable and intimidates you, you're probably going to grow and you're probably going to learn more. So Clip it. <laughs> I was like, I might as well just try this. Um, the the other side of it was, you said the other two, right? Um, it would have been a new learning process. It would have been at a bigger place. You would have saw how to develop product that probably has a much greater emotional connection to the consumer, no doubt. But there was an element in my head, I'm like, it's still kind of doing what I was doing. And that's not to say it would be one for one, but there was an element of like, okay, there's some translations here, right? So then when the GM thing came up, I mean, like they have this deep history, deeper history than everything that we have of developing amazing product and developing concepts and having a vision. There's a scale that's different. There's a cost value that's different. Um, another thing that I felt was like the bulk of the footwear industry uh, is controlled by marketing. Uh, GM design reports to design. So design makes design decisions, right? So I knew that. I was like, all right, that would be an interesting thing to learn. And then there was the global scale. At that time, uh, they had studios in, uh, in England, uh, US, two in the US, well, technically three in the US, uh, then England, then you had uh, Shanghai, you had Seoul, you had um, India, and then you had, what was the other one? I'm missing one of these. But regardless, you had this ridiculously huge footprint, right? Oh, uh, uh, Germany. So Frankfurt. You had like this huge footprint in that sense. Like, I was like, man, that alone, just having those conversations is going to be a learning process. That's sure. Incredible. So you, what, what was your official position when you signed? So that would have been, uh, when I signed on, I was senior creative designer in color and trim so color and trim tends to be the material soft goods side of it um and 
I had a mentality of like, well, I'll go in and bring sketching and other elements to it. And that's pretty much exactly what I did. So that's really interesting. And so, and they didn't care that you showed up with a footwear portfolio. No, they didn't. Uh, no, they kind of embraced it. Um, and I just did my best to, when I put the portfolio together to, you know, speak of not of it as footwear, but speak of it as product and what I was doing with it emotionally and customer insights and, and go down that path. Right. And so when you look back at that, really it's a pivoting moment. Um, do you ever look back at like, Oh, what if I took like the Addy job or like, what if I took the Nike job or, and then where would your career be today? If you look back on it? Yeah, I do. And I think that like, um, I think the GM turned me into like the leader that I am now. And like, I, I don't, I didn't know I had like all of these, like frustration was what led me when I was at New Balance, where it was like, no, let me show you how to do this. Right. Where it was like, uh, if I was to compare and contrast of like some of the big things that have happened in 2020 to relate to like the last dance, like New Balance to me would have been like, Michael Jordan 85 through 90 where he doesn't pass the ball right where it's like and he doesn't he doesn't trust his teammates he hasn't been like no I'm gonna show you how to do this like we are gonna and like I know you want to do a technical running shoe but no we need to rethink running shoes entirely like we've already made this why are we doing this right like whereas like with GM it was it it grounded me it gave it made me realize like coming in and maybe this isn't right or wrong, but I do believe that's how American business runs for sure. I can't speak for German businesses or anything. A lot of it's relationship-based and it's a, it's a true team sport. And if you don't know how to get other people to rally behind your idea, your idea will go nowhere. Um, that, that, I did not have that and I did not care for that at, at New Balance. I didn't want that. I just believed that if we did this incredibly good design, it was going to win because that's 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 what I felt I had been taught in school and, and right. obsessing over the industry. So GM formed me into it. I don't know that I would have had that had I went to Nike. And I think we're, we're Adidas. And I think I was such a passionate fanboy of those other places that I don't know that I would have had the right scope and, men, and mental vision when I went there to separate this awe that I had of the pedestal that I put them on, you know? Right. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, what, what's the saying? They say never meet your heroes or, or, or you know, who you love because yeah. you're just going to be disappointed yeah. <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, that's yeah. super interesting. And so how how is your career at uh, GM or Chevrolet kind of transpired? Obviously, now you you manage a team and, and, you know, it sounds like you've learned a lot of key lessons over the years of, you know, teamwork specifically, communication, relationships. Uh, and things like that, um, you know, how is, how is, how is your career kind of shifted over the years? So, yeah, I did, uh, I was basically a lead designer for until 2000 and like 15 and a half roughly. And, uh, and then I became a manager and I had, a, I had one person, um, I was just doing the performance. Like when I started, I started on like as like within Chevrolet, but on Corvette and then Camaro as well. And then I stayed designing those for that, that amount of time, did a little bit of advanced work and I would do some brand work every once in a while. Um, and then, um, so for Corvette people, that would have been like wrapping up the sixth generation Corvette, uh, helping finish the seventh generation and then doing the eighth generation with, which is the newest admitted and, and, um, it was just an incredible experience because like you have something that has like this brand identity. It's, it's one of the oldest brand identities in American history um, and nameplates and it has a deep meaning. And what's really beautiful and fascinating about that is it's all like form follows function, but yet it's also like this attainable thing. Right. So I kind of had this mentality. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's our athlete. Like motors are athlete. Everything else around that is the upper of the shoe, right? So sole unit or whatever you want to be is motor. And then everything comes along and you, your athlete is like taking it to the track. Sure. Um, so I kind of just kept communicating thought processes like that and pushing it and growing it that way. Uh, so from there, I go into the designing. I then get that the Dominic Dowling, he's still on my team today, but he was like my, my first like real team member. 
And then it just kind of kept growing. It was like, as I, as, as we got more into the Chevrolet portfolio, it was like, all right, like, what if we kind of bring these elements together and it just grew and now it's further and further on, which is uh, greater responsibility is greater responsibility, right? So, that, that, that is fact. <laughs> so what, um, what similarities or dissimilarities are there in the process between footwear and, and cars? Yeah, I kind of always joke that the creative process is the creative process. I think it's very similar. Um, the main scope of difference is like, you know, even a really expensive shoe is probably like $500,000 to manufacture, you know, like a brand new car is like a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so like there's that. A little, a little bit more uh, material expense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The scope of change is far greater and has far more impact for what it means for the the consumer and, and then obviously the consumer difference there too is like you know you you brought up the recession and i remember you know that was being my first real change of life of when that stuff was going on and, and talking to somebody that had been at new balance for like 30 years about it and i was like he goes you know oftentimes like with the recession he's like people will still splurge on like a pair of shoes or something like you'll still get that every once in a while and i was like oh, okay that's good to know somebody might still spend 100 bucks 150 bucks or something that's not happening with a car. I mean, a, a cost of a car, average, like the average driving cost of a car, like, uh, or consumer price of a car nowadays in America is right around $36,000. Is mean, it that a bunch? Yeah. Yeah. That's right, a lot. Transaction price. Yeah. It, it is. It is a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and when you think of it that way, I mean, outside of a house and I guess for some people, a college education, it's probably the most expensive thing they're going to do. Yeah, third, third most expensive thing you're going to buy in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't take that lightly. And then being are, on are, the are the decisions you guys are making as a group or yourself, like, are, are they weighed more heavily? Like, do you take more time? Is the, is the process from start to finish much longer? Like, yeah. So I think on, we, we're getting dramatically quicker and we'll say that, I mean, one, yeah. one thing that's out there publicly now, like Hummer, um, you know, I mean, we, that, that was one of the quickest things I've ever done. Um, and it was nuts, but um, yeah, I mean, on average, I think if you were to anticipate it most from sketch to like on road, it's somewhere between four and five years usually. But I think the, the other side of that is like, especially with like the Corvette side, like, you know, if you're in the collectible cars and other things like that, you know that 60 years from now, that thing's going down an auction block. And it's like, you, I, I personally want to be just as proud 60 years from now as I am today. I don't want to look at it and not say that when, that's not to limit risk, but it's also to understand that like, this thing's got to live forever. Don't just make a decision now because you think it's cool make sure that that thing has longevity and that that basically just takes experience and vision in, in my opinion and that's a little bit different than footwear because there's so many shoes that are outputted by every single brand that it's like okay you can design still a relatively mediocre shoe and look back in 30 years being like man that was trash but 99 percent of everything else you work on is really great <laughs> you know, one of the most disheartening things i ever heard and this is just disheartening to me i'm not saying that the person was wrong was like ah, we'll get them next quarter like no fuck you like do it right now right? <laughs> like, yeah like no <laughs> we'll get them next quarter <laughs> yeah like come on man yeah. that is wild <laughs> that's i mean that's not that's not good vision <laughs> but there is some truth to that and you can't scrutinize everything right i think in both fields you have to know the separation of yourself like knowing like, like i'll even talk to that to like friends that are you know going into footwear and, and helping and communicate stuff for them it's like that change you're making might be only you noticing that change right so if you're scrutinizing like two millimeters here and three millimeters there, that's fine. But understanding how, what are you doing in the development process? How far are you extending it out? What is this doing in the end? And are I wish more people, I wish more people thought like that, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I really yeah. do. Um, but so I'm going to jump back right because i think one thing that i know about you and i know you you kind of breezed over this between the writing at complex and stuff like this you have a relationship with tinker hatfield yeah yeah and, we don't uh, talk nearly as much as we used to but yes i yeah and and so i i just want to jump back and even if you just gave a one sentence i think it's worth worthy of bringing up just because everybody in the footwear community knows that name by by its own brand essentially yeah. 
And so how did that, that come to be? I mean, I think you have like a two hour, like podcast or audio segment oh, online I'm somewhere with them. If you want me to be honest, I have multiple ones. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Like, so at that counter kicks website, right? Like as I'm writing, I basically, I was always trying to tell everybody like the journey of like why something is the way it is. And I basically retold the 11, like why the 11 is what it is. And, uh, somebody forwarded it to him and he liked it. And, uh, I found out he liked it. So then we started kind of emailing back and forth and we just set up a call and, uh, we talked, that would have been, I was at GM. So that would have been like summer of 2011. It would have been roughly probably June of 2011. Yeah, it was June of 2011. And, uh, I, it was nuts to me. Like you said, you know, don't meet your heroes. Well, I met my hero and we talked for two hours that day. And uh, I, it was just one of the most incredible things because like, in my opinion, uh, and I'm not going to sit, there's people that obviously know him far, far better than me. But in my opinion, the most beautiful thing that I took from him is that like, Tinker Hatfield doesn't know that he's Tinker Hatfield. And like, I think that's something really special. Like that transformed we haven't talked in a while. I'm not going to sit here and, and say that, but that, that transformed. I mean, I had dinner with him. We've done other things like outside of that world and seeing that side of him is just, it's beautiful because you see how creativity drove his life. Uh, and to me, like learning where risk is and how you take it and how you do it. I think he's just very smart in the risk. I also think that like this idea of architecture uh, is far more, then people grasp like what that really changed in how he designed like most of architecture is teaching how to kind of i think automotive and architecture similar in that sense where especially from an exterior design you're kind of just trying to capture a vision you're trying to capture this art art piece and you're making it out of hard pieces and other things like that and he really translated that well into footwear um, and yeah it was still one of my like you know, moments that I kind of pinch myself that I had. And because of that, I mean, that led like one person that I talked to a lot is Aaron Cooper. As much as like I loved Tinker for kind of giving me the vision of like how to get into footwear and understand what design. I don't point blank, whether it's automotive or footwear design, I don't know what design is without what Tinker Hatfield provides the world. I, I have no clue as to what it is. Um, but like my favorite designs that I truly love owning are Aaron Cooper and, and, and Eric Avar. I haven't met Eric, but Aaron and I text every once in a while and talk, and that's, that's been beautiful. And I think all of this, realistically, is just a good example of like, you, know, you can make something happen if you really want to. I met Aaron simply because, I, because of Instagram and writing some stuff for Complex, like just breaking down some of the best logo designs ever in footwear, which one of them to me is the Pippin logo. And it got back to him, and it just spurred like a conversation from that point on, you know? Yeah, you just never know unless you try and put something out there. Yeah, well, even at a young age. Like, I mean, being in a small town, like I pretty much quickly learned that first name dot last name at the company is the email address. Send an email, people. Like, <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? They don't respond. I mean, there's a really good chance that that is it. <laughs> yeah, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? They don't respond? Like, okay, I, I can handle that. That's not any more silent than what you already have by not talking to them. So... Yeah. 1000%. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's so cool. I, I, I remember I've listened to like one of the very long segments on SoundCloud or something like that. I forget where this was years ago. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, even that's kind of how our relationship is built. Like it's pretty much through Instagram. I mean, it's yeah. uh, the majority of the guests that I have on here are primarily through Instagram or social media. I've now had TikTok artists join me and weird shit man i love the internet it's a beautiful place it is uh, it's a gift and a curse let's be real but it's uh <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like it's limitless um you know i mean i haven't talked about it much but like main jason main has been just as influential on all of this stuff for me i, I mean that guy's been incredible from automotive and to footwear he's somebody that's connected dots and really nails all this stuff as well too yeah, yeah. um so you've obviously been out of footwear for a while, but you speak so highly of it. Um, how do you, you really have, in my opinion, this is just from an outside perspective, you've taken uh, a 
a really backseat approach to like even social media uh, over, I guess, like a year or so now you just kind of just do a lot more family stuff and yeah. uh, uh, things that aren't necessarily driven towards your career, like around your career. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you balance, you know, work? I mean, you, you went from a, a kid at New Balance who's drawn and outside of work hours, right? And who's super passionate about it, working probably 80 hours a week, just for the love of it. Yeah. To now having a family, having kids, having a house, doing this, doing that. Like, how do you, how do you, how are you able to manage that? Is there a, a downtime? I mean, it seems like even you're taking 15 minute power naps just to get through the next couple hours of the night. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so, I mean, you, we're, we're in my like office, right? Like we're in my little shrine of like footwear. It's also now my, my son's office. I should point out his desk. Nice. Look at that. Um, but like, I spent a lot of time in here. Um, I think that social media became an interesting thing for me, um, where it was a, uh, I just found that as my life got busier, that became more of a distraction. And what I mean by that is like, all right, still help people out in footwear. Automotive is my number one seriousness have my wife, had Gavin, had Tessa, have family, can't let any of these fall, right? All of them, and I don't want any of them to be a C plus either, like all of them need to be at an A, or at least a B plus. And um, so uh, I just discipline and balance and rotate it. I'm very lucky and grateful that I don't need a lot of sleep. Like I can get by off five hours sleep and I'm still pretty damn good. And I'll know, like, I'll catch up on it at some point. But, sure. you know, um, I think multitasking is something that I've, I'm very good at and being able to balance that, remember where it needs to be and do little key things. Um, but a lot of it is just, I actually think if I were to look backwards, like before when it was just Stacy and I and my wife, when it was just her and I, like, I don't think I really valued what time was. Like if I had the work, I had the work ethic, I had the passion, if I had the discipline of what I had now and what I was doing then, I don't know where I'd be. It'd be a completely different world for me at that. Um, And I think the other part of that though is like, I think some people will hear people talk about stuff like this and think that that's what they have to do to be successful or succeed. One, success is your own determination. Nobody can tell you what success is. But the other statement to that is like, I, I like that. That's what fulfills me. Like that's what give like me saying that I can handle all this and you can throw that at me. That that's my fulfillment. Like I, if I come out each day successful doing all of those things and knowing that I didn't drop a single thing, I am amazed and I'm happy. And that's, that's like where my fulfillment comes from. I love being able to take on a lot of stuff. So I don't know if I directly answered your question, but I think the way that I approach it is not overwhelming myself. And uh, even though I do, um, but like not like letting, just knowing when one needs more attention than the other and also believing in my process. And, And then I think what I mean by that is like, there's a lot of times where I'll have a brief or a project and I won't do anything physically on it for like two weeks but I'm just studying it in my head and memorizing it. I've probably done, a th- I shouldn't say a thousand, but I've probably done like a hundred sketches in my head by that point, then I've eliminated what I don't want it to be. And that's half the battle. It was like getting rid of what it's not so you can make it be what it is. And I think that speeds the time up. And then also how you connect with people in that sense. Like use technology, use sketches, I don't care what it is, but it's just making sure that you bring people in at the right time as opposed to waiting until the end to get other people's viewpoints on something. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that was a lot of knowledge right there dropped. <laughs> I mean, we, we might as well just cut it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you and I are very similar in that sense. Like, I can't sit still. Like, I need to, like, being super over, like, your normal humans overwhelmed is actually my comfort zone in your comfort right. And if you can, if you can balance all those balls and juggle them at the end of the day and go to bed, like you're like, okay, this is, this, this is a good day. I actually tend to find the nights that I can't sleep are the nights where I haven't 
done it well, like where I didn't get the amount done that I wanted to get done. So I have this, this theory that people who have insomnia or can't sleep at night, they just are so lazy in the day because yeah. they don't exert themselves to the point that they should be. And then therefore they can't sleep. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. You didn't get the energy out that you needed to. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm totally yeah. with you. That's why I'm totally okay with working 14, 16 hours a day because then I know that I'll sleep better. I was talking to a a gentleman the other day and, you know, we were kind of talking about that same thing. And, you know, it's a cliche, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you love what you're doing, you're probably not feeling that it's work, right? Like, I think the main thing that kids taught me with it is, uh, well, one, they go to bed early, so that's helpful. But two... (laughs) It more taught me like, especially with Gavin. So Gavin was the first one. So he was the the template, but all right. All right. He's down for 30 minutes. I know I've got a solid 30 minutes. Maybe if it goes well, I get an hour and 15 out of this nap. What can I do now, 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 now? Right. And at that time, like I was still at complex heavy. I was writing once a week. I was drawing and rendering stuff for that. And uh, you know, you just had to utilize all that stuff. So yeah, it taught me how to, rethink and revalue what's important to me and make sure that I don't lose any of that because I think at the end of the day me not being fulfilled is not going to be fulfilled for him either so right yeah no I mean that's super important and so valuable if you're not fulfilling yourself you can't fulfill anybody else and vice versa really um when you um I'm going to go back to the vision and like what do you do you think about like a three-year plan a five-year plan one year down the road um like do you still have a new vision for yourself every single day and like what you want to accomplish uh both for your own personal goals but then also anything else in life I mean uh, yeah I mean it's probably a little different in the sense that now I'm you know you're able to be selfish until you really have to take some something else under your wing right and like I'm most attracted to people whether it's friendships or obviously even my my wife uh that are like very well disciplined and heavily driven and and what that probably really means is confident right and um so before kids like i didn't really have to think about like i didn't have to think about her because she's super confident she knows what she's doing she's got her own plan cool we come together and we make wonderful life and in love and stuff like that but at the end of the day she controls herself and she we both offer as much of this relationship the kids on the other hand like now we're doing this together and we have to bring that so that that changes visions and plans and what you want and balancing like what's best for them you know like right now right now i've taken on being a first grade teacher and there's like an element of me that's like I, if and when he goes back to school like i don't know that i want to give that control up like we have a rhythm we have a flow and i kind of see the value in me being a total part of that I think this is arrogant and this is, I, 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 I totally value everything that our teachers do for our world, like wholeheartedly. And I taught at CCS for a while. So maybe part of this is that like, I love teaching as well, but like, I think I could get him through like seventh grade and not screw him up. That's basically <laughs> how I feel about it. And I think I could do the same thing for Tessa. It's like, after that, I'm like, mm, we're going to get into real math and stuff like that. And that might get a little challenging, you know? Yeah. so part of yeah i mean my vision bounces around a lot the other side is um one of the greatest quotes that like i used to what he's he's not he's not so hot in the public anymore but this is before anybody knew he was a bad dude or did some shady things but charlie rose had this beautiful documentary i don't know if you ever watched charlie rose show on pbs i actually got into it when i was living in boston um but uh because like the gym that I went to underneath our apartment complex that we first had, like had no cable in there. So I would only have PBS on and I mean, it would be like 11 o'clock at night and I'm like running, just listening to Charlie Rose interview people. And, uh, but yeah, Tom Hanks on, and this was like circa 08, 09. And, and Tom talked about like, he is finally at a point in his career where he could say no. He's like, I don't have to take this script because I don't need your money. And I don't see the vision in what you're trying to do. So I can walk away from this and say, no, I don't offer anything for you. So no, that's my end goal. Like, that's my goal. Like, I want to be able to just say no. Like, that's all I want. 
And I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever get there. I mean, maybe to some extent I am there. I don't know. But Well, yeah, I, I mean, so I, I know, and I don't know if you, and we can cut this if you don't want to talk about it, but you also like do freelance work on the side and do other things uh, as <laughs> not only financial, you know, benefits and rewards, but also to, to do other things for your, your plans and aspirations. But I'm assuming that you have the capability of saying no to certain people and projects and uh, things like that. So in that sense, with that statement, do you think that, you know, you're, are you just a motherfucking happy dude right now? Like, are you just good? No, I mean, I'm not really, no, I would argue that I, I have high, high lows and high, you know, low, low lows. Right. But um, I think a lot of it is uh, a lot of it's just grasping what you can enable and what you can't do. I would say in the beginning of what you just referred to. Yeah. I was just taking stuff to take stuff. Right. Like, I wanted to do it. So I took the stuff. I don't do that anymore. One, I don't have the time to do it. Two, um, it doesn't value the other person either. Like it's, it's failing them as well. And I didn't, I don't know that I saw that at the time. If I didn't have as much passion for it, I'm lucky enough. I'm at a point now where, yeah, if I'm going to take on something, it's going to be something that's like beneficial for all of us. And, and we get to do it together. Uh, I think a lot of, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, shoes, whether it's cars, whether it's us talking or anything, it's really the relationship and how you vibe together. Uh, I try to have like five or six phone calls with people before, like in-depth phone calls of us just getting to know each other to see how it's going to be because I'm not going to waste my time with somebody that's just going to move two millimeters to move two millimeters. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have a vision and you're just creating another product, one ethically you're just adding something to the world that doesn't need to be added and yep. you know we have enough of that i will um, i i will say to the to, to your comment just now that like even when we like i i remember i think i reached out for something i had a question for you and you're like yeah let's just get on a phone call and like you, you know it's it it was only a few years ago but like you'd be surprised how many people don't like getting on a phone call and like, and, and since that moment I, I am now fortunate enough where a lot of people reach out to me like and they want my advice and I I never want an email exchange. I don't want to text back and forth. I'm like, let's just get on a phone call. The only like, time I want like an email exchange is if it's um if I want the business record of it, right? Like where I want to be able to refer back to like what we decided, what we didn't. Uh, to me, the phone call, it's the closest that you're going to get to true human connection. And I think the other side is you get the real view. So many people are not very good at reading tone within an email exchange and they put their own voice to it. Like my most like famous moment of myself ever doing that was like my freshman year of CCS and, uh, Dwayne Edwards like asked me to send him some work. I was like, all right. So I burned like a bunch of work to a CD and just threw it in the mail. Like I didn't do anything else to it. Like just put it in there, send it right to his desk. I emailed him like two weeks later and I was like, Hey, did you get this? He's like, yeah, but I don't know what this is. I don't even know you. Like give me a resume, give me a portfolio and stuff with that. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, he is screaming at me. <laughs> like, and that's like, you know, that's all through email. And then we later talked and everything like that. And that is not what he meant, but he was more teaching me a lesson. Like if you're going to do this, do this right. But I didn't have any guidance, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, people, as they get a message and they get a note, they put that, they put their own fears into it or their own vision and thought into it, right? And I prefer to just get on a call to keep it real. More yeah, I mean, you definitely, you can like hear in people's, in my opinion, you can hear it in their voice of like how, like where they are on the human scale. Like what are, what are their goals out of this phone call? Is it just to like, check a box and be like oh i talked to this person for some advice or is it like to really try to get better them as a person designer creative whatever like i I think like you and i talking right so we've had our phone calls and stuff and i could confidently say like outside of us planning the time of this we didn't really talk about what we were going to do here right but like being able to know that i have phone conversations with you and know you from some of the other stuff i'm like i don't know i trust what he's doing like, I don't need to have like a pre-run. Like, I get it. Like, all right, let's just hop on and drop it. You get that connection. So it's able to build where you think you're, you're comfortable of being and how you know that person. And anymore, especially with COVID, like this is some of the way, this is the future of how you're going to do stuff for sure. So yeah. I think it's more, you have to have that human touch. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. You haven't really given us any secrets, but other than that, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I do a very good job of playing coy. I'm not going to lie that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, like, I think um, if anybody's, you know, interested in finding out, um, we have been talking for about an hour, a little over an hour. Um, but if anybody's interested in like finding your work or your stuff or anything like that, like where can they find you? Do you still like blog or anything like that? No, I don't. Um, I mean, occasionally I'll get asked by Complex or somebody to write something. I'll do it. Um, but no, I, and, and again, that's probably part of, I mean, I feel like I'm bringing up a lot of my mistakes, but um, I feel like a lot of that is like, eh, I just didn't, felt like I was kind of writing the same stuff over and over again. Uh, once it became uh, a way, and that's, that's fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it I don't want to be a template or anything like that. But to answer your question, we can reach, which is, uh, it's at Goliff. So just at my last name on Instagram and then just Brett Goliff. You can pretty much Google that and find a lot of stuff. Uh, you can. Do you, you have your own personal website? Yeah, I haven't updated it. I need to update it, but no, I haven't done it in probably three years, four years now. But yeah. But if somebody was interested in like digging up uh, old, like, blogs or anything like that is that all still accessible yeah yeah you can uh i was actually downloading the pdfs of them the other day from various sites but i mean you can just go to complex and you can just say brett gall complex brett gall finish line brett gall of smoking section counter kicks all that stuff it'll all pop up it has my whole archive of all that all right yeah we'll, we'll plug all of them in the in the youtube uh below um I uh, I don't want to take up too much your, uh, more of your night. This was awesome. We covered a lot. Do you uh, do you have anything else you want to share with anybody or, or shed light on? Going on right now. I uh, yeah. I mean, look right now. Right now, it'd probably just be healthy. Like, just stay healthy and 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 don't let don't let everything that's in 2020 happening affect you. Like, at the end of the day, you're in control of yourself and be in control of your happiness and what you want the chaos that goes on around you understand your circle of influence and what you can do but don't don't let something bring you down so if i, if I had to say anything it's gonna be that uh, if we want to talk on a personal note um i'm very proud of some of the stuff that we have going on at gm i think we're really transforming the company and the automotive industry that's going on uh very soon the, the hummer will be revealed and that's out there i mean you can find that information so is this a brand new hummer you referenced it earlier and i was like a hummer hasn't been around for a while yeah, yeah, it's brand new. It'll be all electric and uh, super, super excited for that. That was. And so you and you and your team has worked on that. Yeah, yeah. Two two members from my team have worked on it, and I'm very, very proud of them and what they were able to accomplish and, and the work that went for it. So I'm I'm proud of where that's going. Um, footwear wise, I've always got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I've got a few different things that are happening here and there. We'll just see where it goes, but it's. Well, uh, well, for everybody listening, uh, stay tuned. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on episode nineteen of an untold narrative. Uh, I love that you shouted out your 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 team too at work. Right there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, but anyway, thanks again uh, for joining us. I won't take up too much of your night. Um, thank you. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. Anyway.